thankful to God to give us another opportunity to come before him to worship. I was looking what happened in uh, Syria and I was looking with my children and every time when we worship with my children I tell them about the love of God and how much he cares about his creation. So when we were looking at that incident, they were kind of confused, like, Dad, where is God when these stuff are happening like this? And, you know, I had to make myself a little bit comfortable before I speak to them. Sometimes I don't want to rush to give answers to the questions of children. You may give cheap answers to difficult questions, expensive questions. So when they say, with their eyes open, where is God in time like this? And I told them, I say, God was still there. And uh, I just want to encourage you today, we need to pray for those people. Because I know how much difficult they're going through over there. But I turn around and I told my children, I said, after Adam and Eve decided to listen to the devil, this planet was plunged in war. So all of us born in this planet, we are like soldiers. And for those people, you saw the buildings coming down as if they were made of ashes. Dust everywhere. I told them those are the part of the soldiers who die in the line of duty. But for us who are still remaining, we have to lift up the banner and keep moving. So let's remember to pray for those people. And that's why every time when I get opportunity to stand up to speak, to worship, First of all, I say thank you, God, the creator of the universe, to give us this opportunity. But again, I want to give thanks to the leadership of Brooklyn Church and the members in general to allow me. This is the third time I'm standing before you. I know the second time it was very cold, so we have a few people in here. We can count, but thank God that some people were also watching online. Thank you for the special music. Always, I want to tell you, when I hear the music and it goes deep in my heart, I feel like just standing up and saying, let's pray and go home. <laughs> but no, we have to listen a little bit from the word of God. So today, I want to invite you. And from the time these elders told me, oh, you will have to speak, I believe it was Elder Malongozi. And I said, hmm, what am I going to speak to Brooklyn? And something hit me that we need to talk a little bit about our preparation. There is a need of preparation. Uh, before I pray and go into this sermon, I have been listening 
to many sermons, and I have been reading my Bible, Spirit of Prophecy. And I don't believe that I'm very smart than the people who lived in the time of Jesus. I don't think so. But when Jesus was living amongst them, can you believe more than half of the congregation, even in the house of God, they were not prepared for him? Until the day he was hanging on the cross, Ellen G. White speaks in the book of Desire Voyages, people like Nicodemus, that's when they saw the light of who Jesus was. And then it came to my mind, we should never ignore or we should never believe that we are immune in the issue of preparation. We may think we are in the church. Being in the church is one thing, but to be ready for what is coming to this planet is another thing. And that's the reason why the Holy Spirit just moved me Can you learn first for yourself about preparation and go stand and speak to your brothers and sisters in Brooklyn Church? And because of that, I believe God kept us alive. In every moment we hear something spoken, he needs us to take a step for that particular subject. Let's pray before we go to this sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity to worship. And we raise our voices and our cries for the people of Syria. The people who are suffering as we are talking now, we know maybe some of them they didn't get even breakfast. We're still praying for Ukraine because the Ukraine is still smoking. We pray, Lord. Because we know these are the signs of your second coming. But before you come, you need us to be ready. Help us to know how to be ready and to be ready in time. Be with us now as we go into your word. Open our hearts and open our ears to hear and to discern and to live according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I always like to pick my woes from the Old Testament before I jump to the New Testament. And today I want to invite you to see, after Moses was dead, how God called Joshua to prepare the people to move to cross the Jordan River. And why do I pick from Moses' death to Joshua to crossing of Jordan? If you read and you open your eyes to the signs of the times, that's where the church of God exactly we are standing today. We are on the borders of the promised land. Everyone is excited to cross to the Jordan. But before we cross, we have to be in line with the will of God. And that's why now I'm trying to take you, when Moses died, you have to remember that 
He was the great leader ever exposed to the children of Israel. These people were rebellious. Sometimes they did not appreciate what Moses was doing to them. But when he was gone, they were given a time to learn to appreciate the people that God gave them to lead them and to teach them and to direct them to his will. So now again, their mind and their direction was, was turned to Joshua. And that's why I appreciate the little girl who just read here. And let's go quickly with me in the book of Joshua. And that's where we're going to begin. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and say now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Keep that word arise in your mind. So, God is telling Joshua, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 10 and 11. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. One day, I was flying from here to Tanzania. And uh, I was working and getting ready for the journey, for the trip. But what happened, I didn't know that I was not really getting ready the way I was supposed to. And then I said, oh, tomorrow morning, my flight is in the around three, so in the morning I'll wake up and finish quickly and go. Lo and behold, I'm touching this and I remember, oh, I need this. I need. I was trying to put things together quickly, as quickly as I can, but the moment I got to the airport and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there with my two luggages and the lady said, oh, let, let, let me see your... Oh, she said, I'm sorry. You just have 25 minutes and there's no way I can check you in. I felt so horrible. And I was moving right and left. And I say, you, are you sure you can? I say, let me. And the lady was really nice to me. She said, let me, let me see if I can do something. So she grabbed the phone and she called. And she looked at me. She said, no. They say they cannot do it. For the long flights like that, you need to be here at least two hours before your flight. So I came back home, and I was making all these calls now to see if I can still use my ticket, and they were like, no. 
And I ended up paying the same amount of money which I paid to get that flight. Now, that was at least okay because I was able to reschedule another flight. But I need you to understand the picture of the second coming of Jesus. When we miss that flight, he's gone and he's gone forever. And that's why when I speak about the issue of preparation, I need you to get this. I, I don't mean that we are not uh, aware of his coming. The issue is that we have to do something extra than what we have been doing every day. Now, back to Joshua after Moses was gone. The children of Israel have been for 40 years in the wilderness. Can you imagine that? The journey from Egypt to Canaan was not that far. How do we know it? The children of Jacob have been going to Egypt to buy food and come home. Before they ended up in that slavery. So it was not 40 years because if it were 40 years, there was no way they can bring food home and find anybody alive. So we know that when they left Egypt, maybe they say approximately in three months they were supposed to be in Canaan. But we know what happened. And you see, guys, when we look back, we see that the problem was their willingness to enter. Everywhere you see God is delaying to accomplish his promises, you find that is not on the side of God, it's on the side of his people. There's no enough preparation. And if it happened to them before, it's happened to us today. So, Surrounding nations were laughing and talking. Can you imagine people who were born when those people started wandering in that wilderness? They opened their eyes maybe five years, six years, say, what are they doing? Say, they're going to their promised land. So, Why are they not going? Wandering, and it was a la- laughing stock. The children of Israel were... were were like a laughing stock to surrounding nations, and they said, we don't believe that their God is really going to do what he promised them. Now, they're talking about God, but they don't know it was not about God, it was about Israel. Now, after these 40 years, still they needed preparation to cross Jordan. They were camped on the east side of Jordan, which it was supposed to be crossed to go to the promised land. Now, first of all, you need faith to cross that river. Why? The time God told Joshua to prepare them to go, it was the time of spring. All the mountain snows were melting, and the banks of Jordan were overflowing of the water. It was not possible in a normal and regular way to cross Jordan. Here, 
you don't have to fight to cross the river. You need faith and to depend on God. So the children of Israel, they were there, but the first barrier that God gave them to prove them was the Jordan River. But after that, there was another barrier. Just opposite to where they were camping, it was the city of Jericho. And this city of Jericho, it was high walls, giants in there. And in the book of Petrus and Prophets, it says it was the only passage that was like the open door for them to go to the promised land. Two huge obstacles that they had to make their life right with God before they can cross. Now, all this was easy for them just if they will be faithful to the new leader that God just gave them, Joshua. Three, three things they were supposed to do. They had to believe in the promise of God. And secondly, they were invited to have the attitude of their leader, Joshua. Joshua was a fearless leader. And that's why God gave the courage to Joshua that as I have been with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And third, they had to stand up to perform the mission that God gave to them. Now, let's go back to Brooklyn Church as a church and as a people. As we are looking at the preparation, sometimes we ask a question. What do we really have to prepare? We go to church on the Sabbath. We pray at home. We give our tithe and our offering. What else? Sometimes back, it was also bothering me. What do I have to do? To be in the kingdom of God. Until one day, one preacher came to our church back home in Tanzania and he said, There was a reason why Jesus gave the parable of ten virgins five wise and five foolish. Both groups, they were believers. And both groups, they knew they were waiting for their bridegroom. Both groups went out to meet him. Remember that. But how is it in that group they didn't even know which one is a fool and which one is a wise? That's why I don't want us to ignore that. So this preacher came to the church and he said, How many of you believe that if the trumpet will sound tonight and Jesus is coming, bursting on the clouds, you are ready to go with him? 
you know, sometimes when preachers ask questions like that, we are rushing to lift up our hands. And quickly I saw the hands going up and quickly I had hands going down. And uh, that's the time we say you direct the camera to your own life. And you try to ask yourself questions. You investigate your own self and you find it. Mm, no. If he comes today, I may not go. When that comes to your mind, then you have to ask yourself, why? How can I deal with this situation then? So, I'm going to invite you now, as we go, to see ourselves as a church. There was a promise to the children of Israel. God is telling Joshua, arise. That was the command of God. Arise and get over Jordan. Remember when God said those words, arise and get over Jordan, he did not give direction. He did not tell Joshua in which way they should go. And the water is very high that there is no way they can cross easily. But when they turned their eyes to the tabernacle of the congregation, they saw the pillar of God was there to give them an assurance that God was still with them. Do we have a promise today? Do we have a promise as God's people? Go with me. As a church, yes, we do have the promise. Have the promise. Go with me to the book of Matthew 28. The book of Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We have the promise given almost 2,000 years ago, but is as new as it was given yesterday. Matthew 28, and we're going to read verse 20, uh, 19 and 20, 19 and 20, 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here is the promise. The same way God was telling Joshua, as, as you saw me taking up the hands of Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. Here Jesus is leaving this planet, is telling his disciples, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this church with the power. I have given power heaven and on earth, and I'm sending you with the same power that the Father gave me. I need you to go. Now, before I go further with this, let me remind you, Every war we read in the Bible, every controversy we see in the Bible, in the time of Daniel in Babylon, 
in the time of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fire, finance of fire. When you see David fighting the Philistines, you come, you see Elijah on the Mount Carmel. All those wars you see, those were types of what God is planning to accomplish by using you and me as the last troop in the battle of this world. For you, Brooklyn Church, and the whole world church of Seventh-day Adventists, we are the last troop. And the platform is already made by God himself. The angels are witnessing the unfallen planets. Something I came to realize recently. They are allowed to watch what is going on here. They see unfallen planets. And the platform is there. And we are the actors for the last drama. That is an antitype. Because when we close that page, it's closed forever. When we close the file of this planet in the message that God gave us, nobody is going to open again something we call everlasting gospel. It's closed and it's closed forever. Amen. Oh, let me remind you for those who were not here. Last sermon when I, uh, uh, the, 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 the last sermon when I preached here, the second one, I was talking about the great value. The great value that God gave to this church. He gave us a message that he has never given to any group under the sun. The message of salvation. The message of deliverance. The message of hope. And the message of health. Don't forget that. So as we look at ourselves here, let me remind you, when the surrounding nations looked at the children of Israel for 40 years, they came to the point that they thought these people were nothing. And let me tell you, this is what even today, that's how the world is looking at us. They look at you. Look, you can turn around and look at your neighbor. We, we are simple people. Simple, very simple. Kind of like we are nothing at all. But what makes us special is what God has put in us. And when we realize that, and when we get the attitude of Joshua, the attitude of Jesus Christ, when he was telling his disciples, he said, my heart is in pain, but he is giving himself the courage, and he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be given to the hands of unbelievers. And he, he laid the whole plan in front of them. Though, remember, they were not also prepared for that time. I need you to remember that. For three years and a half, walking with the disciples, telling them everything, opening to them the whole plan, they were not prepared. That's why they forsook him. That's why 
even Peter himself, he was following but from far. So I need you to know. You know, I, my dad took me to a military school when I was a teenager. And I know how much they will, they will encourage us because most of them, they, when we come out from that school, most of the people, they went to the army, becoming generals. A couple of weeks ago, one of my friends was calling me, still thinking that I need to go to join where they are. And I say, no, I'm good. I have another army that I have already joined <laughs> and is fighting good. And I need to tell you this today. It's not only the promise that God has given us. We are on the winning side already. We are on the winning side. Oh, I'm going ahead of myself because there is a text for that. But I wanted you to realize and to remember that we are the last rope. And when we close the drama, it's closed forever. It's going to the record of heaven. And we will read it forever and ever. How we played our role like soldiers in the field of the almighty God. People like David, they will wish to be here today, I'm telling you. People like Elijah. If he is allowed in heaven to watch down here, we know Elijah was translated. He'll be like, man, I wish I can go there and be their leader. I need to encourage you people. Don't worry about how the world is looking at you. They may look you down. They may think you are nothing. It's not a problem to God and to you. The problem, are you prepared to hold the banner and lift up that banner and march for Jesus? So we have the promise. He said, I'm going to be with you. Not for two weeks, not for one month, he say, unto the end of the world. Don't worry about what is happening. I'm with you. Alright, now let's move quickly and go to another text. In the book of John 14, 16 to 18. John 14. John 14. This is the promise of the Holy Ghost. I need to touch something about the promise of the Holy Spirit. John the book of John 14, and go with me 16 to 18. 14, 16 to 18, this is how it reads. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That's the second time. Jesus saying, I'm going to be with you until the end of the world. Here I say, when the Holy Spirit, the comforter, when he comes, he's not going to stay with you for a short time. He's going to be with you forever. 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, go with me quickly to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. In the book of Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
I need to touch something important here, Ephesians 4 and uh, verse 30. 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's my accent, the three zero. Ephesians four thirty three zero. <laughs> so let me speak a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to do something that when you try to do it, then you are not comfortable? Or you have been doing it for many, many days, but every time you sit down and you think about what you are doing, you feel uncomfortable. That the whispering of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said he is coming to convict you of sin, that's the part of his work in the hearts of men. He's telling you that what you are doing is not okay. What you are doing is not fine with you. You are not going to make it. So here, when he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, when you get that feeling, don't ignore it. Make a quick change for that, I beseech you. Let me tell you, it happened to me. It happened to me many, many times. Before I was baptized, I lived, uh, the high school I went was very far from my parents. Over there, you know the power of the peer pressure. There is power. When you join your age mate and they tell you, let's go here, let's do this. They dragged me, jumping up and down with girls. I was not there. Never. We were very close to, we were boys' school, and there was a girls' school very close to where we were. But that was not my, my problem. Then they dragged me for drinking and smoking. I remember one night trying the beer, and I said, this stuff is bitter. I think I need soda. <laughs> and they say, oh, please, if you keep taking it, you, I say, no. Try smoking. I was coughing. I say, I'm fine with that. And I ended up just being a thief. And I will tell you, I was not even baptized because the first sermon I did here, from my background being a Muslim, and now here I was introduced to Christianity, I was still trying to... but. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter when you are Christian or you are not, the Holy Spirit is working to all people. The night we need to go out to steal, we make sure we go to bed early than anybody. So that if the next day people say, oh, something happened somewhere, and they say, Fikiri say, no, Fikiri was in bed even before we went to bed. You cannot even detect that it was, I was there. So I lived with that for some time. I came home. My parents didn't know that. 
But the Holy Spirit kept showing me, this is not okay. Until the day I say no. You know, I remember I had a lot of stuff that they were still in my, my storage because when we steal stuff, we are going to sell. And the Holy Spirit told me to return to the owners. Now, how can I return shoes and to people? I say, no, I, don't, I have to wait for when they're sleeping. And that's what I did. And when everybody was snoring, I walked out slowly, get the stuff where they were, I was hiding them, and I, I remembered everything to whom they belonged. And that was the step I tell you, I never went back. Amen. In the morning, people shouting, oh, my shoes are back. <laughs> and people are like, ah. And then the other people say, oh man, I think the witchcraft of your mom is working. <laughs> And myself, I'm sleeping under the blanket. I say, witchcraft of your mom. You just thank God that I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, don't ignore a very step of repentance you take. Because God is putting a stamp on that. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And here he's talking about the Holy Spirit is sealing people for their redemption. What is that? What, what is that sealing? Now, this is a whole sermon about the sealing. You know that. All the stuff of the Sabbath, that is the seal of God. But what we are talking here is that when you take a step forward for Jesus is giving you the courage to take the next step and the next and the next. So the first one, it may be difficult. You make it. The second one is easy. The third one is even easier. And because of that, the Bible says you are sealed for redemption. You have a decision already made in your mind that are matching to the heavenly Canaan. I'm not going back. That's what the promise of the Holy Spirit is doing to God's people. Now, uh, as I said, we are already on a winning side because Jesus said in the book of John, in the book of John, if we are with Jesus, Let's go to the book of John. We are on the winning side. We have nothing to worry. 16. The book of John, chapter 16. And we are going to read 31 to 33. 16, 31 to 33. And this is how he reads. John 16:31 Jesus answered them Do ye now believe behold the hour cometh yea is now come that ye shall be scattered every man to his own No I made a mistake 
That's not the text. That's not the text. How did I miss that? How did I miss that? No, that's not the text. But let me correct it because I remember what he was saying. That Jesus was telling his disciples that in this world you will have tribulation. But don't give up. I want to paraphrase that. And he said because I have overcome. And he's giving them assurance that you will overcome too. That was the text. So Jesus is giving an assurance that when we are with him, we don't need to think about winning. We are already in the winning side. What we need is to make sure that we are in harmony with what he said. That's it. Worry? No. What you need is to fix your eyes on Jesus. He said, I'm going in front of you. Whatever I'm doing, you are following behind me. So what you need is to make sure you listen to what I tell you. So combining all the promises and combining the faithfulness and obedience, Jesus said, you have nothing to worry. I have already trod the way before you. Your job is to follow my steps and you will be standing on the threshold of winning side. Do we, how do we now accomplish our preparation? How do we accomplish our preparation? In the book of uh, Leviticus, let's go to the book of Leviticus There is something I call high standard. God never called his people to set their goals lower. He called his people to set their goals high. And that's what we call the high standard. In the book of Leviticus 20-26. Leviticus chapter 20 and 26, 2026. I say, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, I am holy and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. God is telling us that it's possible for people who are called by his name to be holy. I hear sometimes people saying, in this fallen planet, there's no way we can be holy. God is saying in the book of Leviticus, you shall be holy because I am holy. So there's no question there. This is how God is looking at us. This is how he says, this is how we can accomplish 
our preparation. Set your standard high to be holy is possible. Is the decision we make every day we live. That if we are to open our eyes and to direct our eyes to Jesus, we can be holy because God said it's possible for you and me to be holy. Uh, this little book here, I love this book, Maranatha. If you have a home, it's a devotional book. And I get a lot of stuff here. Sometimes when I finish to read, I will sit down sometimes for 25, 40 minutes just digesting and meditating about what I just read. So I'm going to share with you something I found on page 41. Page 41 on this book. And uh, before we close, I'm going to leave a small challenge to you and to your family. Here, I'm speaking to you as a church. But I need you to listen as a family. And when I'm speaking to a family, if it's father, mother, and children, I need you to take it as a personal message. When the husband is converted and the wife is converted because they took the message personally, personal, then we have the families which are converted which make the church. So when we speak about the preparation here, open your eyes to look at you. Don't look at your wife or don't look at your husband. Look at you. There are some things when I look at my wife, I may see she's doing fine or she's not. But sometimes we forget to turn the same eye to ourselves. And when the families are stable, the church of God will always be stable. That's why, let me tell you, the devil is battling with families, is destroying families. He knows when he finishes us in the families, there's no church. And the preparation starts at home. That's why Joshua was given encouragement before he was told to go and to encourage the children of Israel. So in this book, page 41, this is how he reads, he say, I also saw many do not realize what they must be in order to live in the sight of the Lord without a high priest in the sanctuary through the time of trouble. The only reason why you are not going to be in the time of trouble is only if you die. But if you are not going to die and the signs of the times are 
quickly finished. The time is diminishing. When we are plunged in the time of trouble, we are going to be in the time of trouble without Jesus Christ in the sanctuary in heaven. He is going to leave the sanctuary after he finished to plead for sinners. After we are sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and our mind will never change to go back to do the devil's business. Then in this point we are in the planet of sin. Having the stamp of God as a citizens of heaven but we are not yet there. This time, we need the faith that the children of Israel needed to cross the River Jordan. That message arise and get over Jordan. That's the faith they needed. And by divine instruction, God told Joshua, go and tell the children of Israel to forsake everyone their sins. Every outward deformity should be left behind. That's the preparation I'm talking about. And let me tell you, we are not going to fail because of the things we don't know. Let me repeat that again. We are not going to fail because of the things that we don't know. Most of the things which bring us down, we know them. Sometimes even when we do them, you do it and it's like, man, maybe I should do this just for the last time. We know. That's why God is saying, leave it because you know it. Oh, I'm talking to myself too. Don't think because I'm speaking here or I'm, I'm floating on the... No, I'm sailing in the same boat with you. That's why every time I get an opportunity to speak, if I will kneel down, I say, Lord, I need this someone to work on me first before I go to say to your people. So here, we are going to be already stamped at the citizen of heaven, but we are not yet there. Jesus is out of the sanctuary. We need the faith to stand on that time. And that preparation is needed now, not tomorrow. Then he says, those who receive the seal of the living God and are protected in the time of trouble must reflect the image of Jesus fully. We have to look like Jesus. I saw that many were neglecting the preparation so needful and were looking to the time of refreshing and the latter rain to fit them to stand in the day of the Lord and to live in his sight. Oh, how may I sow in the time of trouble without a shelter? They had neglected the needful preparation. Therefore, they could not receive the refreshing that all must have to feed them to live in the sight of the Holy God, those who fail to
shall purify their soul in obeying the whole truth will come up to the time of the falling of the place and then see that they needed to be healed and squared for the building but there will be no mediator to plead their cause before the father and this is what I'm saying when we miss that plane there's no rescheduling it's gone that's why it's important to know where we stand today. Mm. Before this time, the off-solemnly declaration has gone forth. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. I wish all of us to be on the last part. I saw that none could share the refreshing unless they obtain the victory over every besetment, over pride, selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong word and action. I need to say something about every word and every action. You know, sometimes we don't speak the words. But when we sit in our homes to watch television, we hear the words that us as the travelers of heaven, we should be uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm saying this because one day I entered in the house of Seventh-day Adventist believer. And what was on the TV, I couldn't believe. Now remember, by beholding, we become changed. You didn't say it, but they're saying in the television and you're watching it. So let's remember sometimes to be selective to what we watch. The devil has a lot of ways to get us. Sometimes you think he's very small. To him, oh, it's a good principle to start with. And he knows he will take you to the next level. We are today to watch that we offend not in the word or deed. We must today seek God and be determined that we will not rest satisfied without his presence. We should watch and work and pray as though this were the last day that would be granted us. How intensely, earnestly then would be our life. How closely would be, will we follow Jesus in all our words and deeds. I need you to realize before I close today that in every step that Jesus took his people, there was a time of waiting. There was a time of waiting. I believe that's the time we are living in today. Remember, 
when Noah went to the ark, there were seven days the rain didn't come. It was the time the people in the ark were tested and the people outside the ark were given their last chance. I believe that's the time we are living today. So in the preparation, can you make your own investigation for your own heart? Can you sit down and feel yourself comfortable that where I'm standing today, I'm okay to go? That's what Jesus is looking for. And it's okay if you find some scratches, work on them. We are all human beings. We make mistakes. And I want to tell you, God understands that. In closing, there is no modification. There is no modification or improvement in our life after the sin entered into this planet. So in our character, there is nothing that God is looking from us to be renovated. No, nothing. When we accept the power of Jesus to come in us, we are adapting the brand new nature of Jesus Christ. And that's the preparation me and you, we have to pay attention to. That's why in the book of Second Corinthians 5.17, he says, when someone is in Jesus, you have become a new creature. He don't say renovated creature. No, because renovation is when you have the structure and you just put some new stuff to make it new. But here is to crumble down the whole structure and come up with a new creation. And that's why we got into the baptism. May God bless you. And may God help us to make sure that we don't leave anything out when we know this is a problem I need to work on in my faith. Until then, may God be with us and help us to be ready for his second coming. Amen. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, now as your children are living from this place, but not from your presence, give us the strength and the power to stand. By ourselves, we know we cannot stand. But when our names shall be called that day, we believe because of your promise and because of the power of the Holy Spirit you have already given us, we will be able to stand. Be with us and help us to make thorough preparation when you come to find all of us waiting for you to take us home. This is our humble prayer.
in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.